Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. There have been a lot of groundbreaking firsts in human history, but only one person can claim to be the first in outer space. That's Yuri Gagarin, a Soviet cosmonaut who breached Earth's atmosphere and zipped into orbit in 1961. He stood just five feet, two inches tall. That's 1.6 meters and slightly shorter than I am, which is impressive. But in the lore of space exploration, Gagarin casts an enormously long shadow. In both life and death, he left a legacy brimming with both outstanding achievements and unanswered questions. Born in 1934 near Moscow, Gagarin was the son of a carpenter and a milkmaid, when he was still a child, Nazi forces invaded the USSR and occupied the town. 
Everyone suffered. Two of his siblings wound up in labor camps, but survived the war. Later, Gagarin attended various technical schools, but it was a flying club that really grabbed his attention. Once he had his first taste of flight, he embraced his new passion and used his weekends learning to fly. He joined the Soviet Air Force and became a full-fledged fighter pilot. In the meantime, he married Valentina Goryacheva, with whom he had two daughters. In 1960, Soviet authorities chose 20 men to take part in the country's fledgling space program. The commission specified that the men be between 25 and 30 years old and less than 5 feet 7 inches tall. That's 1.7 meters. Gagarin checked both boxes, and he was one of the lucky candidates selected for further training. It started with rigorous physical training, which included dozens of parachute jumps over water, oxygen starvation tests, and isolation chamber procedures meant to weed out anyone who might melt down psychologically in space. Though the process was competitive, Gagarin stood out for both his physical skills and his exceptional personality. He was competent and simply likable, in part because of the ever-present smile on his face. His positive aura was such a large part of why he was ultimately chosen for the mission just one week before launch. The Soviets knew that their soon-to-be-famous cosmonaut would need to look good in front of a camera for propaganda purposes. Gagarin's beaming smile fit the bill. On April 12th of 1961, the rocket lifted off from the Cosmodrome. Just minutes later, the former farm boy was the first human in space. We spoke with Howard McCurdy, a space policy expert and public affairs professor at American University. He said, Gagarin was very charismatic and well-liked within the cosmonaut corps. He was apparently fearless. While the chief spaceflight engineer was popping tranquilizers, Gagarin was sitting calmly in the capsule. In 1961, very little was known about spaceflight and what would happen to a human who was weightless for longer than a few seconds. So there was a lot riding on this. Gagarin orbited our planet just a single time for 108 minutes. He reached a maximum height of 203 miles, or 327 kilometers. During the flight, he ate, drank, and monitored the onboard systems. McCurdy said, Gagarin had no control over his spacecraft. According to sources at NASA, flight controllers gave Gagarin a key to the controls for use in an emergency, which he did not use. Otherwise, he was just a passenger on the spacecraft. And Gagarin's return to Earth wasn't the tidy sort of splashdown that we're used to witnessing these days. McCurdy said, Gagarin did not land with his space capsule. He jumped out of it and parachuted to the ground. Sort of a hair-raising way to land. Even before he landed, the Soviets were trumpeting the trailblazing space flight. His safe return guaranteed worldwide celebrity. Streets were named for him, and he was awarded the title of Hero of the Soviet Union— Some called him the modern-day Christopher Columbus. He traveled the world, living proof of the success of the Soviet space program. The celebrity cosmonaut visited dozens of countries in celebration of his incredible space flight, but he was barred from entering the United States. President John F. Kennedy wanted no part of celebrating the Soviet Union's accomplishment, which cast the U.S. as being behind in the space race. Once his publicity tour ended, Gagarin slowly returned to flying. The Air Force promoted him multiple times, in large part to keep him out of airplanes and safely on the ground. No one wanted their international superstar to die young. Yet his bout with fame was unsettling. 
Gagarin took to drinking heavily, which concerned his superiors. Still, he trained for space and was named a backup for the Soyuz 1 mission. And it was a lucky thing for him, too. The 1967 mission failed catastrophically when the landing module's parachute failed to open, ending with the first in-flight spacecraft fatality. Gagarin gave up drinking the next year. He recommitted himself to flying and even participated in aerospace engineering in hopes of helping to create a reusable spacecraft. In 1968, the famed pilot and cosmonaut took off on a routine training flight. Shortly thereafter, the plane crashed near a town just outside Moscow. Both Gagarin and the flight instructor perished. Gagarin was just 32 years old. Immediately, the Soviets rushed to gloss over the incident, covering up details for decades. Lacking convincing explanations, conspiracy theories abounded, but none of them stuck. In 2013, new evidence emerged thanks to the investigative work of Alexei Leonov, a former cosmonaut who was troubled by the death of his friend and fellow space traveler. His unconfirmed explanation for the crash? An error in air traffic control. During the fateful flight, a Soviet plane much larger than the training flight model could have violated Gagarin's airspace. The turbulence could have caused Gagarin to lose control and ultimately plunge to his death. Perhaps the embarrassment of losing a national icon to such a simple error was too much to admit publicly. Or maybe, as Leonov speculated, the authorities didn't want to make public that there was a lapse so close to Moscow. We may never know for sure. What we do know is that Gagarin's first and only space mission left an indelible mark on our world. We also spoke via email with Amy Foster, assistant history professor at the University of Central Florida. She said, people had been dreaming of flying in the air for millennia before the Wright brothers achieved that in 1903. The idea of humans flying in space was even more lofty. While both the United States and the Soviet Union had successfully launched living creatures by the time of Gagarin's flight, there were still questions about how the mission would affect a human. So Gagarin's flight made flying in space not only achievable, but also a realistic endeavor. Today's episode was written by Nathan Chandler and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other far-flung topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 